0: There's planning and preparation. You're drawn away uh, with, uh, with your lust and you're enticed. There's a chain uh, reaction that is there. Um, you may uh, say something, uh, you know, uh, in a, an impromptu kind of a moment uh, that you regret. Uh, there are things like that uh, where, uh, and there's also sins of omission, things that we don't do, uh, and so there are plenty of sins to go around, um, but every one of us is a sinner, uh, and we're sinners that are saved by grace. And now, not, I don't want to get ahead of myself in, uh, in 1 John, but uh, on Wednesday, where I was going with that was, we talked about um, interpreting Scripture uh, by several different kinds of rules. One was the analogy of faith, or uh, the, the, w- the way that we understand the Bible interprets the Bible. Scripture interprets Scripture. We have to take the Bible and interpret the Bible with the Bible. All right? So uh, there's all kinds of hermeneutical principles, laws of first mention, et cetera. Then we, we looked at where the Bible is in implicit, where there's something that we can question. Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but it's explicit in, in other areas than where it's implicit and we're confused. If it, God has settled it in another place, um, it can't mean that in the passage of Scripture that you're in, All right. So, uh, assuming that we all understand uh, that we once we're saved we're always saved, we can't lose our salvation, we can't sell it. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. When we read a verse in the Bible that it seems like it seems it's implicit, it seems like it's saying um, that I can lose my salvation. Um, it doesn't mean that, uh, because God has made clear that we're saved by Him and kept by Him. Uh, and its eternal life. So if I if I read it and I feel that that's what it says, I've got to dig in. There's context. All right? Now in Hebrews the Hebrews 10 uh, when we're looking there, and again, Hebrews is a very theological passage. And, uh, and by the way, uh, as I preach these things and try to teach that, I realize I've got junior age kids, all who have senior saints uh, in this room. Uh, and, uh, and if there's confusion on the part of the younger ones, uh, it's your job, mom and dad, uh, to clear those things up uh, and re-explain it. Uh, teaching it in a different way, uh, and, uh, and there's a lot of ways that you can apply that, and so it is, it is uh, theological, uh, but it's uh, important uh, that uh, we delve into it. So in Hebrews chapter number 10, uh, as we've, we've looked at um, the Let Us passage there in our theme, it uh, We got down into verse number uh, 27 or 26 where it said this morning, for if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Now, um, again, not to be, uh, hopefully you don't feel like this is condescending in any way, uh, but um, what's the name of the book we're in? Hebrews. Um, Paul, I I believe, is the writer. We can argue about that. Is, is writing to um, Hebrews, Jewish Christians uh, that are saved. It's the first century. Um, during that first century, uh, there was still temple worship that was going on. So if we took the absolute direct context of the book of Hebrews, when he's speaking to Jews who are saved and their temptation to go back to temple worship, uh, they've, they've been they understand, they have knowledge of the truth uh, and the temptation is to forego that and then to go back to Judaism where when they sacrificed for sins, um, they, would, they would do it several times during the year. Um, and so it was, a, it was a multiple type of a thing. And what God is trying to tell them is that if you go back, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. You, you can't, you can't, keep sacrificing animals. It's not doing anything. Uh, Jesus was the sinless, spotless lamb of God who died once for all. Uh, and, uh, and when you go back and you do this and you sacrifice, uh, and you, you, it's like you're crucifying God afresh and you're putting him to an open shame, you're trotting on what he's done, you're saying uh, that it isn't enough. And so please don't. He says, take heed to yourselves. Heed this warning Draw near to him, hold fast, and you find that time and time again through uh, the book of Hebrews. And in chapter number six, we see it again to where he's saying, all right, if you've tasted of that heavenly gift, it's kind of like, um, well, in the book of Matthew, I think I have some notes on that. Uh, turn back to Matthew uh, and uh, chapter number uh, uh, seven, Matthew chapter number seven, um, in the New Testament, uh, Old Testament, every era, every dispensation, if you're a dispensationalist, uh, we're in the church age, uh, every, every church, every church that you will attend anywhere in the world are, are going to have people in it that think they're saved and they're not. All right. Um, there are going to be people uh, in churches all across the world um, who've been attending for years, Uh, they have maybe taught a Sunday school class, worked the bus route, sang in the choir, you know, whatever, um, involved uh, in their local church and were never saved. Uh, And in Matthew chapter number seven, in verse 22, it says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have, uh, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So in the New Testament, well, uh, the book of Hebrews, it's New Testament Christians. But there's kind of, if you look at it, almost like a transition. Like they're, un- they're unlearning a bunch of stuff when they get saved. They were, re- like when I got saved, I wasn't religious. I didn't go to, you know, catechism or uh, go to any of those types of things. Um, I, it's like clean slate. Um, I didn't have to unlearn uh, a religious system that I was involved with, which by the way, when it comes to soul winning, when people don't believe that a person's got to repent of their sins and they say they got to repent of the way that they thought they were getting to heaven. Uh, and so they're trusting in Jesus in his way uh, and not there. I didn't, I, I had no thoughts about heaven and how I was going to get there. I, so if I was to, what was I to repent of? If that was the, the litmus test for it. Uh, I'm a, you have to repent of your sin. Uh, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are people in churches um, who have made a profession of faith, but they don't possess salvation. There are people who have confessed faith, but they've not confessed Christ. So when we read Hebrews or we read here in a moment First John or we read about them in chapter number seven, um, you think of people like Judas, uh, who was in the inner circle with Jesus um, and was involved in everything, uh, but, but he was lost. Um, there are people like uh, Diotrephes or Demas uh, in, the, in the New Testament who, for, who has forsaken me loving this present world. Uh, there are people who come to church on Sunday, because they need something. They need help. Um, they, 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 they want, um, they need direction. They think if they go to church and they're being good, that maybe God will bless them. Um, there are people that come to Bream Baptist Church because somebody's made them come. Uh, there, there are spouses that come because they, they don't want their spouse on their back. Are you following me? People go to church for all kinds of reasons, and sometimes not for the right ones. So every single church, I believe this with all my heart, uh, there are going to be people uh, who have um, they've made professions of faith, uh, and, and but they, they never repented of their sins, they never came under conviction. There are people that come under conviction, uh, and God's really working them over, and they know they need to be saved, and they walk away, and they don't get saved. And they'll do that week after week. Um, they know they're lost. I've been... You know, I, I've known tons of people like that. So they admit, I'm not saved. If I was the idea, I, I'd go to hell because uh, I, I don't know Jesus, but it's just I'm just not ready yet. Uh, and we, we plead with them. You don't know. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Choose you this day, whom you're going to serve. And, and we do all the best we can uh, to, to share the gospel and let them know and understand uh, that life is short and you can't put it off. And if God is ringing your bell uh, through the Holy Spirit about getting saved, um, I would respond to that. And not only in salvation, but in anything. The Holy Spirit uh, reveals to you, you need to get something right or you need to go to a brother or sister and make right with them. Uh, if, it's, if it's sin, if it's a commitment that you've made, you've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit uh, because the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. Um, we feel that way. We, we get discouraged, I get discouraged when, when you push and you say and you teach or whatever uh, and, and, and people don't listen to that. Um, God, not like we, we get frustrated because it's our flesh and it's our pride. God's not that way, um, but we grieve him that way. And at some point, he's like, okay, and, he's, and he's, he's drawing you and he's drawing you and you're like, no, and no, and no. And then pretty soon, he's just, he lets you, he, like, it's like that analogy of taking the wheel and he just lets go of the wheel and you go off and you crash and burn and it's the fruit of your own way and we get mad at God when that. God's trying to help us and bring us along uh, and then we, uh, we just we, we fight against him. Um, but we can do it to a point uh, where God goes hands off. Uh, even as a believer and a child of God and he just lets us learn. Um, you know, School of hard knocks, uh, if you will. Um, but some of us, myself included, we're so stubborn that that's sometimes the only way that we'll learn. Uh, we, we, we experience it uh, that way. So the Bible um, helps us to understand, gives us illustrations of people um, like Judas and Demas and Diatrophes and, and, and different people uh, that were part of those assemblies, uh, and, but, they, but, they weren't, but they weren't really part of it. Uh, they, were, they were bought in, uh, they had knowledge, they had zeal. Elsewhere, they're described as having zeal, but not according to knowledge. But, they, but they've, they've, they've felt it. There are people that come to a, a Baptist church and they hear preaching or they hear a special, whatever, and they're moved by what they, what they hear, what they see. Um, involved, participate, they have a sense of community. Uh, and like I say, teach classes or whatever, but if they've never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they never repented of their sins under conviction of the Spirit of God, God didn't draw them, and they just called on God, um, they may have made profession. Um, and, and by the way, when there's, when there's no fruit uh, and there's a, a life that is characterized by sin, um, those are evidences of that problem. So the direct context is, He's speaking to Jews who would go back to temple worship and, and God's saying, if, if, you, if you understand that Christ was the final sacrifice and you, and you forsake that willfully, that's the willful sin, and you go back to temple worship, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. There's nothing that you can do. If you reject Christ, uh, you become an apostate uh, and, and there's, there, there's nothing else that you can do. And in what we've read this morning uh, quickly in chapter number 10, in verse number 29, um, it says, "Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy, who hath trodden under foot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. Uh, I explained it one way today that we do this despite God's grace in our life. But the word there, um, it's, it's, again, words mean things, right? Uh, so it's, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Spirit capitalizes, the Holy Spirit of God. Done despite to means to insult the Holy Spirit of God. It's, uh, it's to blaspheme the Holy Spirit of God. Apostates do that. And when they blaspheme the Holy Ghost, uh, then um, they're in trouble. Uh, and you say, what do you mean? Uh, the Bible says this in uh, Matthew chapter number 12, 31. And by the way, God wrote this and he put it in his, in his book. Um, it's not anything that I like uh, and it scares me to death. But here's what it says. Wherefore I say unto you, chapter number 12, verse number 31. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. In fact, it says elsewhere um, that it's a sin that's not forgiven in this world, paraphrasing, or in the next. When someone blasphemes the Holy Spirit of God, they send away their day of grace, and God removes it, and they, they're not drawn again. Uh, it's, a, it's a fearful looking for judgment. Now, as I mentioned this morning, we don't know, I don't know, when somebody's done that, I've had people call the church, pastor, uh, I need help. What's the matter? Um, I think I, I, I committed the unpardonable sin. And I said, oh, and I said, is that bothering you? And they're like, yes. I'm like, then you probably haven't. Because if you'd committed the unpardonable sin and uh, rejecting Christ, then God, the Holy Spirit wouldn't bring conviction. And so the fact that you're calling here is good news that you probably haven't done it. Now, we know um, that uh, God forgives sin and there's no sin that we can commit that God won't forgive us of. So when we think of things like unpardonable sin um, and and we try to decipher what that really is, it's rejection of Christ uh, and it's it's doing really what um, is being explained in this passage of scripture, all right? So he's speaking to Christians, people who are saved, and he's warning them, uh, to stay steadfast. And the idea is that when, because the Bible can't be saying one thing uh, when it means something elsewhere and God has been plain about it, we can't lose our salvation. So he's not telling them if you sin willfully that you lose your salvation. Again, it's if you, if you are this way and you go apostate, you probably weren't saved in the first place because saved people, Continues. Save people are steadfast. Uh, they do that. Um, so let's turn over to uh, uh, First John real quick. Are you with me? I know this is heavy and it's in uh, its in its deep. But you know, people. You might even be a person who gets concerned about this from time to time. It's like, well, if I am I saved? You know, um, you know. Why why did I do that? Why did I say that? Um, that's not right. And uh, but when you have Remember, guilt, guilt is to you spiritually what pain is to you physically. So when you commit sin and you feel bad about it, it isn't because you go to a legalist church uh, and, uh, and the pastor just wants you to feel bad. It's because you're born again and you belong to him. And when you don't do right, it's the Holy Spirit and I've said this a million times, if you don't know if it's the Holy Spirit making you feel bad or if it's the pastor making you feel bad, that's your own problem. Um, you know, it, and so, I mean, you know, I mean, God can, God can use me to make you feel bad and, or one another. When, we, when you provoke and you incite someone on the love and good works, you point out uh, a fault or, uh, or something in someone's life, that's not, a pleasant, that's not a pleasant thing to be a part of. Um, but as a Bible believer and, and someone who has wisdom, hopefully you've asked God for it and you have some, um, that you respond in the in a in the right way uh, to godly exhortation. When somebody you know cares for you and loves you, uh, and by the way, if uh, if you're if you're trying to help somebody, you should you should be spiritual. You should love the Lord, uh, and uh, and not be doing the same thing. Um, those are all important, but it's a it's something that we should all we should all do. Now, in First John, and again, you got First John, Second John, Third John. All these letters, people, because of how it's written, most people believe it's uh, it's the disciple, the Apostle John, uh, because of the similarities to the Gospel of John in its language. So it's either that John, or there was another John that was referred to as John the Elder. But it really doesn't matter which John uh, wrote it, it's great stuff. And it was written to really small house churches at that time. Like the book of Romans, the greatest theological book that we have uh, in the Bible was written to just a couple of small churches uh, in an impoverished area of the city of Rome. And so 2 John was written to one of those small house churches in particular, uh, a letter to um, uh, the, uh, the elder of that church, the third John was written to a man in one of those small churches named Gaius. Uh, and, uh, but it's all written to people who are saved. Uh, there are people today, Christians, that say the, the first John's written to lost people. Uh, and it isn't. And it can't be. And it's so offensive um, because they, they do that to justify the fact that they don't need to confess sin. They say, I'm, my sin's already forgiven and I don't need to confess it because I'm, I'm, it's, it's already under the blood. Um, but there's a problem. Um, what do you What do you do if you sin today? Um, I'm never going to be. I'm never under condemnation for my sin. Past, present, future. It's been taken care of uh, for the atoning work of Jesus Christ. He's paid my sin debt. Um, but I've I've gotten angry today. I've gotten discouraged. I've had you know um, you know I probably ate too much at lunch. Uh, you know, and so, you know, got to ask God to forgive me of that. And are you following me? We we still sin. All right. Now, um, I won't have you raise your hands to admit to, you know, the fact that you're a sinner. We just all understand and know that we are. All right. So remember where the Bible is explicit, um, when we find something that's implicit, that's questionable, we have to we have to interpret it by that. Is everybody with me? It's a principle of, of hermeneutics. So in John chapter number two, first John chapter number two, uh, the Bible, he's, he's telling them, you need to love the Lord, you need to follow him. He's telling them, if you love God, you don't love the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Uh, and, uh, and so the same thought is, all right. somebody who loves Jesus um, can be worldly, do a worldly thing, But if the love of the world is there, the love of the Father is not in them. And so, people who love Jesus are not—they don't—they don't don't love the world, and follow after the world. All right. So he says, "The world passeth away" verse seventeen, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Notice what it says. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they would have been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So what John is saying is that they had people who were Gnostics that had come in uh, to the church. They said that they were of them, um, that uh, that they were partakers of Christ, uh, but they weren't, and they went out from them and left because they weren't there. He says, they would no doubt have stayed if they were really of us. Uh, and, and the same reasoning goes with those who willfully forsake the assembling and don't draw near to God, and they become apostate. The Bible teaches that people who are saved don't go apostate. But, but there are warning signs in, in things that, we'll, that we see in each other um, that we have to nip it in the bud. So it's like somebody, I, I love Jesus and I'm all in and I'm sold out for Christ and all of a sudden they're you know, AWOL. As a believer, you go, hey, what's going on? Um, man, you need to be in church. I love you, but you gotta be here. Um, do you need help? Can I pick you up? Can, you know, and you just, what's, what's the issue? Like, you know, um, and you're like, well, I was just sick, you know. And you're frustrated uh, because somebody's, somebody's checking on you. But but that shouldn't be your response. It'd be thank you, thank you for your concern. I, I mean, I was sick. I'll be there this next week because it's important for you to want to be you want to be there. Uh, and um, it's it's there there are danger signs, uh, and I see it all 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 the time, and I'm I'm aware of it because uh, I'm a pastor and I'm 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 a shepherd and all of that. Um, but, it's, but it's not just my concern, it's all of our concern with each other is what uh, the, these passages are teaching us. So they went out uh, from us because they were not of us. Somebody who is sincerely born again by the blood of Christ will read their Bible, they'll pray, they'll go to church, they'll give, they'll whatever whatever God says they're supposed to do, they'll do it and these commandments are not grievous. His, his sheep uh, hear his voice. Uh, and and that is just what God has laid it out, and we just can't question it. We we question it because we, uh, you know, we uh, we might do things, and 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 God doesn't kill us dead, and we think we're getting away with it, but we're really not. God knows, uh, and uh, and He wants. Now here, I remember I said we're all sinners, and we all agreed. Um, notice what it says in chapter number three. And by the way, I hope that you read all of First John. So it's five five chapters. In uh, its in its great stuff, but you have to read it, understanding um, once you're saved, you're always saved. It's explicit. So when I read something and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa time out. Um, uh, you, you've got you have to be careful. Uh, and here's another one. Uh, let's say uh, chapter number three, um, verse number four. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. Now, remember, he's telling New Testament Christians that sin is a transgression of the law. Uh, And uh, and it's the law of God. Uh, The Bible is the law of God. Uh, It's not necessarily Mosaic law or uh, Levitical law. Uh, But we we commit sin, we transgress the law. We sin against God and his word, uh, and we sin. And verse five, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Uh, And whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth, have not seen him, neither known him. Well, wait a second. What that's teaching is that if I sin, I don't belong to God. Um, but that's not what it's saying. Uh, it's, it's teaching the same type of, of this, it's the same takeaway as what we have in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, it's, it's somebody who, well, let me read. A willful sin uh, it has to be defined in its context, right? Uh, and uh, we look at Hebrews, we don't ignore the historical context, the, who, who he's talking to, uh, and uh, that's the proper way to exegete uh, the Bible. When we add stuff to it, it's, we're, it's, 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 uh, it's ruining what God wants us to understand. The sin which the book warns of in Hebrews 10, uh, is uh, in its uh, context, is the Jews of the first century, if they leave Christ, and they go back to temple sacrifices. Uh, They've identified themselves with the local visible church that Christ has established. They made a profession that Jesus is the Messiah and the high priest, all that Hebrews is talking about. Uh, And then they go back to, they renounce that and return back to temple worship. That was a sin that was unique to those first century Jews when the temple was still there. So in its context, it's saying those who are saved here and you, and you can go back to temple worship, don't do that. But, but we don't, we're not of that. We don't, we don't, we're never involved in temple worship. But all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So there's things in Hebrews 10 that apply to me as a Christian, and that's that principle. It's a, it is a willful sin. Uh, it's voluntary of one, it's not a sin that I do. It's, it's a deliberate, willful, voluntary continuation in sin. It's saying, I know what is right uh, and I'm not going to do it. Uh, And I deliberately and willfully go and I, and I, and I do something. God does not want us to live that way. And he says that if you're saved, um, you won't commit sin. You won't live a life that you're going to, you're going to be a sinner. You're going to sin something, but you're going to not live a life that's characterized by sin. You're not going to be able to live that way because he goes on to say he's going to chasten us, and I talked about that this morning, and we will more on Wednesday nights. So, so we can read even in 1 John the same type of principle, that if you are saved, you don't, you don't love the world. Uh, if you're saved, you love the brethren. Uh, if somebody doesn't love the brethren, um, well, somebody who's saved loves the brethren. Somebody who is born again loves the Bible. Somebody who is saved loves Jesus and wants to live for him. And, and, and when they read the Bible and it says, thou shalt not, you don't go, oh, great. Another thing I can't do. You go, well, praise the Lord. I'm glad that's there and I'm, I'm going to do better and I'm going to be better. And I'm going to, uh, God, I'm going to give that to you. Uh, and, uh, and, and then when it says, thou shalt not, and as a Bible believer, you do it. The Holy Spirit goes, whoa. And he bears witness with your conscience. He says, Christian, you know, Christians don't do that. My children don't do that. And, and you go, oh, and because you're saved, and you're like, man, and you feel bad about it, and I need to pray, I need to pray right now, because God says that we should keep short accounts with Him and pray, and we confess it to Him, and He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, so if you leave church today, and you go out in the parking lot, uh, and, uh, and, and whatever, another brother or sister pulls out, and and, you know, you get mad at them and throw something at their car or whatever, uh, you know, um, you've sinned. And you need to confess that to God and make it right. And if you if you cause a problem with another brother or sister of Christ, you go to them and you you make it right with them. Uh, it, God has a code of conduct in the word of God standards. But but we're just like, oh, you know, I will admit. Um, I you know I, I was reading about all the years of jubilee and all the things in, in the ninety day Bible reading thing and uh, and uh, I wish I wish I can I mentioned this morning and I explained it to uh, Lisa this afternoon uh, you know I, I was sad upset about some things and, uh, and really having a hard time and, um, and it was but I needed to I needed to uh, I needed to preach today. So I wish I could just, I wish I could be angry and mad or anything. I wish I could be longer than from a Wednesday to a Sunday or a Sunday to a Wednesday. <laughs> I just wish I could. And, uh, and, there, and there have been times where I've had people preach, and I've, and I've continued that through a service day. Because if I got in a pulpit, I'd feel I'd be in the flesh and preaching. But, here, but as I got alone with the Lord this week uh, and, and just kind of trying to, uh, you know, uh, remedy what's going on in my head. Um, it's like I mentioned this morning. It's like the Holy Spirit of God's like, OK, yes, I'm here for you. Uh, and and I'm, I'm entering the throne room of grace. But it's like, OK, I have to stop. I got to stop with whatever, if it's a pity party, I gotta stop whatever because God wants to, but he can't, he can't deal with me if I'm holding on to something he tells me I, I should let go. And, and, and I, don't, I don't, you know, that's not pleasant. Uh, and so, you know, I know that Jesus loves me and he cares for me and, you know, he's bringing me to, he knows my, my, you know, my frame, he knows everything about me and loves me unconditionally agape to love. But he doesn't want me to remain the same. I have to, I have to fix it. And so, so I, get, I get sad, and then I feel like, like, like you know, okay, I can, be, I can be sad. I can have emotions like a normal human being, but, but I, can't, I can't stay sad because God tells me that I should rejoice always. And, uh, and so I, mean, I don't know how long it is. Can I be sad for five minutes? five hours, five days. At what point does it become a sin for me? And, uh, and so I'm saying that is that we bring, we confess that to God as a sinner. So, but if I, if I say, you know what, God, I feel this way and I know what you say, but I don't care. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be me and do, and this is just how I am. Um. God doesn't like that, and by the way, God doesn't go, "All right, um, I'll let I'll let this go, just for you." Uh, and um, He doesn't, because I have to apply biblical principle. And so, God, what's the biblical principle? If I am in despair, I work on in despair. Um, in, in when when we get to that point, um, you know, God says, God, you know, says we shouldn't be that way. And so I have, to, I have to accept what God says, confess it, and then I've got to move forward. Does that mean that, you know, I'm completely beyond all that? No. But it's a constant management of those things in our life that God wants us to do. And so because I feel that way doesn't mean I'm lost. Um, but if I but if I can sin and just and keep doing things willfully and, and voluntarily and stay in a in a life that would show that I'm not saved. But when I if I if I go uh, as a and I whatever um, lie to somebody, and you know and the Holy Spirit reminds me that all liars are friars, uh, then I go oh, I should I should tell the truth. I mean, there's a lot of Bible verses that talk about speaking the truth, right? And so I said, well, I just, you know, God, you're just going to, you know, I, I like to embellish things. So you're just going to have to put up with it. It's my thorn in the flesh. Uh, and uh, that's not how it works. So when we read it and it says if a if person who sins don't belong to God, well, it can't mean that you're lost. So it's the same things that apply to that. So I, I'm, it's already 706. Uh, and on Wednesday, uh, we're talking more about this, and there's a lot of great stuff and more Bible verses. Uh, but I know when we read those, we get concerned about what does it mean. Uh, and my my prayer, my concern uh, is that nobody at Berean Baptist Church, no Christian that I know and care for and love, even outside of this church, um, is an apostate. Uh, that they're just they're at church. But they're not at church. They're 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 going through the motions. I want everybody that I know and care for to be saved, legitimately saved. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and when 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 we do things and we keep doing them and we're and we're, and we're not getting victory and we're not bothered by it, um, it's it's a bothersome thing personally for me if it's me, but as a pastor for you as well. And so when when I'm like. Here's what, here's what God says. And, uh, and, and I get church members that just kind of like... And, they, and they, just, they just snuff at it. Um, it scares me. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, it can't get any more plainer than the Bible in those areas. And so what do we got to do? We, gotta do? Um, we can't deliberately, willfully... Abandon what the Word of God says and just do our own thing. As little as it, as it might seem, it's not so little. It's a little bit here and it's a little bit there. And pretty certain somebody we care for that we were afraid to say anything to, they're just out of church. And, um, and then, you know, when we all know, and you can think about people, people that used to go to Berean who were off in the world and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I wonder if they're saved. It's not about whether they go here or not. Uh, it's just that his children don't abandon their faith and become apostate. And so if you've got family members and people that you know that are off in completely the opposite of what they used to be as a Christian, you need to lovingly um, rebuke them and provoke them unto love and good works. And 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 if they're saying like ah you know it doesn't bother me and we're just we're fine and we don't need church and all that kind of stuff and um, if God's left you alone, um, you should be afraid. That should scare you. Um, and uh, and if you you know you tell a lie and you go ah I shouldn't have said that lie, and uh, and you feel bad about it. Great, you should because Christians feel bad about stuff when they sin. And uh, so I hope, as you know, my heart about all this. and I'm really trying to help, uh, and, uh, and, but I need you to help each other. And, uh, and, I, and I know because I get feedback, I know that there are people that are upset at me for preaching this stuff from Hebrews. And um, in my advice, if they were to come to me, I'd say, suck it up and do it. You know, I mean you can tell me all you want, but why you're not, you know, okay, why weren't you at church tonight? Why weren't you at the revival meeting? Just explain to me why you, were you, you know, in a ditch somewhere, <laughs> half dead? I mean, I could get to understand that, but it's like, no, we just stayed home. And in honestly, I'm, I'm be honest, that kind of stuff, not only is it wrong, um, but it just makes me wonder how effective I'm being. You are. <laughs> and uh, that just weighs on me a little bit. And... Don't you stop, we need it. But It's not you, Pastor, at all. It's... It's me. It's you. It's everything. We have to. Um, we have to hold each other accountable. And uh, I don't mind taking heat. And I don't mind making people mad. I, you know, uh, I got over that a long time ago. Uh, and uh, I've got to preach what the Bible says. But, <clears throat> but when. You know, it's delivered, and it's like, crickets. And and it's just. You know, we have to say something to each other, and say, "Yeah, I mean, he's preaching that, but it's right." And and you just got to fix it and get right. And um, because I don't know other any other way to say. Here's the plain sense of the word. But if if you understand somebody, and you do, you ever feel like you ever told somebody feels like I'm talking to a wall. Um. Pastors feel that way every sermon. Every single one of them. And I'm thankful. People come up today and like even now, and and that's great, whatever. But all I can think about is the ones who aren't getting it. And just, just in one ear and out the other. And they know better. And I know they know better. Um, And so like I say, if they come to you and say, you know, whatever. We're just, you know, I don't like it. I don't like him making me feel bad about it, whatever. And just say, you know what? You should feel bad about it. And, and you're not right, and you need to get it right. It's not, it's not pastor. He's just preaching what the Bible said, and this is your part of this church, and so just get it right. And stop making excuses for yourself. Ask, how's it working out for you, by the way? And, um, you know, and that'll be a whole other conversation. And so don't fall away. Don't quit. Just keep at it and, um, and just obey the Lord. Let's all stand and, and uh, we'll pray tonight and we'll be just.